What's up, everybody, and welcome back. This is Oscar Barkas here with your guy, Sam McFadden. And welcome in to episode 15 of the SOS Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a special one. It is such a special one. So we talked about last week how this would be our quinceanera. Um, Sam wanted some guac out on the table. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. But even better than that, we are joined this week by a super awesome guest... Uh, his name is Kyle Matthew at Dynasty FF underscore Kyle M on Twitter. Um, Kyle, welcome in. Thanks, man. Uh, what's up, you guys? Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's been it's been a little bit since I've hopped on a podcast, so I may be a little rusty, but you know it's going to be a blast. Oh, we're just happy to have you here. So happy. Um, just a little intro before we get started for Kyle. Um, so he is a writer and a ranker for Devi Football Factory. Um, and then also writes for Dynasty Nerds. Um, and Kyle, you said, you know, while we we're getting started, your big thing is uh, analyzing talent that exists in college football. So um, that's just a little bit about him. Uh, we'll definitely be taking a little, a little bit closer. There will definitely be a little more Dynasty talk on this podcast than we're usually used to, um, which I'm a little excited for. We I'm really We don't talk about it. it very often, so... Uh, we'll hop into some quick questions before we get to our news section. Yeah, um, so just before we run through those, uh, I'll kind of talk through what we're going to do this episode. Um, so like always, we've got our news sections and then our big segment today. We're going to talk through some of the biggest Week 12 games. We're not going to get into every game, um, just the six that we think are the most impactful uh, as far as fantasy goes and then really as far as the NFL goes. Um and we're going to have quick questions throughout. Um, Kyle, you ready? Let's hit it. All right. Uh, I'm going to get us started then. What underperforming rookies this year are you most excited about going into next year? So as a kind of college football talent analyzer, I'm sure you can kind of use those skills to analyze talent um, in the NFL also, especially for underperforming guys. Yeah, well... One thing that's kind of kind of a strategy of mine in Dynasty or fantasy football in general is the players that I target the most are day two wide receivers, meaning they were drafted in the second round or third round of the NFL draft. I'm looking for underperforming rookie receivers drafted on day two in their second year. And I know that sounds a little specific, but my main three guys heading into this year were... James Washington, which hasn't gone so hot, but he's been pretty productive lately. Michael Gallup, which has gone really well. And DJ Chark, which has gone really well. So if I'm, if I'm sticking by that same kind of strategy here, some of the guys that come to mind first, uh, Jalen Hurd, wide receiver, or tight end, whatever they decide yeah. to utilize him as. Utility but for the 49ers, <laughs> exactly. He's one. He's a player that he saw his value shoot up in the preseason because a two-touchdown game, I think, and just overall he looked really good. Got injured, and everyone was throwing him to the wayside. I mean, he can be had for dirt cheap. Andy Isabella is a receiver who I wasn't too high on coming out of college. I didn't really. He was great from an analytics perspective, but from a tape perspective, it seemed like every single ball he basically let hit him in the chest, and then he'd trap yep. his arms against it. So that was that was definitely a big thumbs down for me. But he's a target just based on his price, draft capital, offense. The big one for me, who I expect to not make the 
the DJ chart jump to year two, but maybe like a Michael Gallup light sort of jump into year two is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was drafted in the second round, and I know he has had a pretty underperforming year, but I expect him to bounce back because he was a little raw coming out. He was a bit raw as a route runner. He refined but raw. He was really a big-bodied threat in college, but he showed that he had the route running ability. Like Maybe he'd have three plays in a row where he'd look a little sloppy on his routes, but that fourth play, you know, I mean, he'd get on the defender's blind side, just beautiful route. I mean, he showed lots of promise in college is really all I'm saying here. So in the pros, he hasn't really made that leap this year, but that's why you give wide receivers a couple years to, you know, kind of develop. So those three guys are the main three that I'm targeting with focus on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I like the Arcega Whiteside pick. That the whole Eagles offense, I feel like this year has been such a very. It's been very weird. You know, they looked great first game. DJX got hurt, and that offense has been hurting the the rest of the season. Um, I think I I've I've seen it out on the field in the NFL this year. Exactly what you're talking about. Every once in a while, JJ Arcega Whiteside is out there, and you're like, this "Holy crap! So this good. guy's this Why guy's really talented." Yeah. Yeah, so um, and he's got huge hands. I mean, he can catch almost anything. His uh, wingspan's huge. I think I think that's a good pick. Um, of your three that you mentioned, I really like you mentioning Jalen Hurd. I saw you tweeted about him in the last few days. Um, I loved him coming out of Baylor, especially because he used to be a running back at Tennessee. So it's, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, he's a utility player. I'm excited to see what Shanahan can do with him next year all right so my first my first question of the day uh today is if the rookie draft was today uh in dynasty of course uh who are the top three guys you're looking at and uh if they were to go to a certain team which team would you which team would you like them to end up on see this one's tough because I've kind of flip-flopped a little bit on my one and two. But right now at number one, I have DeAndre Swift running back out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to say anywhere would be a good fit, but I, it honestly feels that way at this point. Any team that DeAndre Swift lands on, he's going to immediately be an RB1 in Dynasty, probably an RB1 in Redraft. If we're talking about teams that he could possibly land on, I almost feel like it's cheating to say the Chiefs because that would just be... <laughs> unreal so nice so i'll say i'll say a team that would still be would be amazing but you know not quite on that level i'll go with the texans here carlos hyde has been shockingly surprisingly good yeah really i mean he's been i mean he's been i want to say he's definitely a top 24 running back and he had an okay performance last night thursday night football Mm -hmm. i mean deandre swift in his offense oh just a cheat code (laughs) Looking at second overall, this was a player that I had at my 101 up until really, really recently, probably a week ago, um, Jerry Judy. Yeah. Jeez. And, yeah. I mean, I know I know there's some concern with him being sort of outproduced at Alabama, not even sometimes being the best or second best wide receiver on his team statistically. But, I mean, there. what more could you ask for? I mean, just – Turn on the guy's film, watch him play. I mean, route running is the best I've seen since, I don't even, Amari Cooper. I mean, hands, incredible. He's not a huge receiver, but 
his contested catch ability is up there with the best in the class. He is just unreal from a talent perspective, and this may be little New York Jets bias homerism coming in, <laughs> but, but I think he would be such a great fit with Sam Darnold because we've seen Darnold regress a little bit into year two, but I mean, no offensive tackles, really not much talent receiver. I mean, Jamison Crowder has by far been the best receiver for Sam Darnold this year. By and far, he's, ex- Oh, yeah. And that just can't fly for a second-year quarterback that's kind of been struggling with confidence, accuracy. So I think Judy would be a fantastic fit in New York. Uh, Number three overall, my 103, I have Jonathan Taylor. I am worried a little bit by the – oh, he's so good. I'm a little worried with the insane usage he's been getting at Wisconsin. Yeah. But, uh, I mean – I turn on I turn on the film with this guy. I just see Nick Chubb slapping me in the face. I mean, yep. so incredibly similar. I think with Mark Ingram kind of getting up there in age, I think thinking that Justice Hill could be a solid backup, I think Jonathan Taylor would be, I mean, a cheat code. With Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, with the way he's been playing, I think Jonathan Taylor could immediately slot in. And this may sound crazy, but I think he could immediately slot in as one of the better, if not one of the best, pure runners in the NFL really? right away. I mean, he's such – he's so ta- – I think he's more talented than Swift purely as a running back. Swift is too good in the passing game, and that gives yeah. him the pretty definite RB1 slot. But Jonathan Taylor is just so talented from a pure running perspective. I mean, a lot of people say that Nick Chubb is just as a pure runner, top three to four in the league. Mm-hmm. I think Taylor is right up there with him. And that sounds crazy, but I do. So I think Baltimore, him with Lamar Jackson, would just be unreal. Jeez. Yeah, I've, so you mentioned Mark Ingram getting up there in age. because, And it's been a little evident this year. He still looks good. He still looks fresh off cuts and stuff. Um, but you watch Gus Edwards slide into the game. I mean, last week against the Texans uh, when he had that super long run. Um, I think, especially if they clear out some room in that running back room, Jonathan Taylor could be like Gus Edwards when he's got an opportunity. Because I feel like Gus Edwards is one of those guys, too, um, from a pure running back perspective. Um, And Jonathan Taylor is obviously even better than that. So I like that pick. Um, I also like Jerry Judy, what you mentioned about him. Um, especially if the Jets get rid of Robbie Anderson, which, which I, I have to assume that's happening. Yeah, they tried to trade him at the deadline. They couldn't get anything for him. I assume he'll be on a different team by the by the end of the year or by the by the start of the next season. As a Jets fan, I, do you have anything to say there? I off field stuff aside, because I think everyone knows that Robbie Anderson gets himself into trouble. Right, but on the field, I really like him paired with Darnold as a Jets fan I just think it's I just love the contrast of you know okay Jamison Crowder running the five yard slants and Robbie Anderson basically going deep I think I really like that combo for Sam Darnold I feel like that's great for his development and it kind of it's a little disappointing that Adam Gase has kind of come in and halted that development because I feel like that could have been those could have been two great connections, Darnold to Crowder and Darnold to Anderson this whole year. Yep. If I had to guess, I would say he's gone just because they've actively tried to shop him more than once in the past year yeah, or two. They're just they're they're not drawing up plays to use him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 
you know, I, it's so sad. personally, I mean, we've talked about Adam Gase on this podcast before, but I just think there's other people in, that could be much better suited for that job than Adam Gase, in my opinion. Uh, agree. To, to say it lightly, <laughs> as yeah. a Jets fan, <laughs> trying to be nice. Uh, well, we'll move on to our next question. Um, and for me, who is next year's Dalvin Cook and next year's DJ Chark? So uh, just before we answer that, I give a little uh, reasoning behind those two names. Um, they're a pretty big difference considering DJ Chark was undrafted in most leagues and Dalvin was at the end of the first, beginning of the second in most leagues. But Dalvin was someone drafted after that top five running back class. Uh, people were nervous about him, and he has been so electric. I mean, um, behind Christian McCaffrey is the next best fantasy football player this year. Yep. Um, and then DJ Chark, uh, like I said, undrafted or drafted the very end of most drafts, and he's a wide receiver one so far. All right, well, to start with the Dalvin Cook comparison, I'm going to go with someone who I had really high hopes for entering the year and has not really followed through. Except for the past few weeks, he's been solid. I'm going with Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah, I was hoping you'd say that too. <laughs> couple reason I feel. A couple reasons I feel this way is, first off, I mean, the guy is so talented, but he's in such a terrible situation. I mean, last year he led the AFC in rushing, so we know even if he has just a slightly below average, you know, even a very much below average supporting cast, he's still coming close to leading the entire league in rushing. I mean, this year. I can't even call it a below average supporting cast. It's probably oh, it's the worst the in the worst, league. Exactly. Sure. So offensive line, I mean, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. But next year, I bet everything I have that the Bengals are going to have the first overall pick, probably yeah. take Joe Burrow. Yep. I think he's going to be a solid fit there. They also get which a lot of people don't acknowledge when it comes to Joe Mixon's dynasty value. They're getting Jonah Williams back, who I believe was the, I want to say, 11th overall pick last year, offensive lineman out of Alabama. He was the first offensive lineman taken in the draft. So he's huge, huge for this rushing attack. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the fact that that front office knows that they need to address offensive line. They know that this offense runs the best, which isn't saying much, but it runs the best when Joe Mixon's getting going. So... We get a new quarterback in there with the first overall pick. Basically, a first-round offensive tackle who's just been on injured reserve all year. And any free agent additions that they would make at maybe receiver, offensive tackle, those reasons. That's why I think Joe Mixon is the odds-on favorite for me to be the next Dalvin Cook. I wouldn't, If you told me right now that Joe Mixon is going to be a top-five running back in 2020, I would not be surprised at all. I like that. <clears throat> Um, and about the oh, sorry, go real quick before we move on to the DJ Chark comparison um, about the Bengals. Do you think that AJ Green will be a Bengal next year, or do you think the team's moving on? I'm going. I see. I hate trying to predict these things because I just there's so many factors that I just have so no idea. Many factors. Plus, but, the Bengals' office is just oh. Gosh, there's a lot. So. There's a lot of run going on over there. Oh yeah. <laughs> If I had to choose, if I had to guess, I'd probably say that he's going to stay in Cincinnati just because, and again, this is just a gut feeling, but a few weeks ago, AJ Green came out and said that, you know, it like the 
the worst of the Bengals' struggles this year when he was eight weeks into his injury. He came out and said he wants to resign in Cincinnati. And I know that's the, that's the usual chalky answer. Mm-hmm. But even in this case, who would openly admit that they wanted to stay in Cincinnati? Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> seriously, like, if he would have come out and said, I don't know, we'll see how things go, then everyone would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm surprised he didn't say he wanted to just get out of there. But he actually said he wanted to resign, which again, may not actually be true, but the fact that he even said it on the worst team in the league makes me think that, okay, maybe there is something going on there. Yeah, and then you have to take into account he's been hurt all this time. How many teams are willing to give him big money? The Bengals exactly. might be the only one of the only teams to do that, so I could see that. DJ All right, chart and if I, yeah, yeah. Moving on, moving on to the DJ chart comp. This one, and again, I'm I'm a Jets fan, not a Bengals fan here, but I'm going to go with Tyler Boyd here, and I I'm not doing this intentionally. I'm not sticking to this Bengals theme, but I thought of these two names. I wrote down these two names, and I didn't realize until five or ten seconds afterwards. I was like, oh my gosh, am I really focusing on the worst <laughs> team in the league? That's going to make the biggest stride next year, but. I love Tyler Boyd as a player. He's only 25 years old. He, he is a player coming out of Pitt that I really, really liked coming out of college. That was when I first started really getting into the whole Debbie aspect. His first two years struggled pretty mightily. Third year, he had that typical you know third-year breakout. 76 receptions, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Huge. So I'm coming into year four thinking, okay, this guy's going to be a PPR monster. I could see... I could see 85 catches, 1,200 yards with A.J. Green possibly getting banged up, maybe around the seven-touchdown range. I thought that was right. Well, he has disappointed big time, but it, it's not his play. He started off the year strong after a few weeks. I want to say after three, four weeks, he was a wide receiver one. He was a top-10 wide receiver, actually, in fantasy. But ever since then, the offense has just gone downhill. Dalton's been replaced. I mean, they have Ryan Finley in there. <laughs> Offensive line's falling apart. I mean, there's nothing nothing's going right for that team so next year we're gonna have we're guaranteeing basically that a quarterback's coming in with likely the first overall pick he's getting his offensive tackle and jonah williams so that quarterback's gonna have some time back there and again like i said we're likely going to get more offensive linemen there i think that tyler boyd is going to have the biggest jump heading into 2020 because and one thing that i really focus on i put a tweet out about this the other day is Let's say you hate Tyler Boyd and think he's going to be terrible next year and whatever. Let's say you just don't like him at all. I still think it's such a great idea to trade for him now because his value is extremely low. Yeah, trade for him low. now, stash him on your bench. You're guaranteeing his value to shoot up because in the offseason, first off, the group of players that see the, mo- the highest rise in value – productive young receivers every yep. single time i mean it's like it's like clockwork dj moore dj chark i mean like i can literally talk to you right now and guarantee the fact that they will see their adp rise without playing a single snap just because that's how the offseason works tyler boyd the same thing will happen and then let's say we hit late april oh look joe burrow goes first overall tyler boyd now has him a receiver his adp just jumped it around even if yep. you don't like him you buy him now sell him then so he's very very easily the my breakout receiver choice for 2020 i expect to see his value rise throughout the entire offseason 
and I expect it to rise even more in the season once he starts producing. And there's people in ev- almost every league, I can guarantee it, that want nothing more than to get rid of the Bengals that they have. 100%. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, especially, we, you mentioned Ryan Finley. We uh, have trashed Ryan Finley the last few weeks um, just because, yeah, sure, Andy Dalton wasn't playing super well, but it, 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 moving to Ryan Finley has hurt everyone except for Joe Mixon. Um, so yeah, I like that name. One one more person that I want to throw in there. Uh, this might have a little personal bias from AM guys, but Christian Kirk. So he had that blow up game two weeks ago. Um, I think that the further chemistry he develops with Kyler, uh, the offense gets better. Another year with Cliff Kingsbury. I think that he's another guy that could um, see his value jump going into next year's drafts. I believe no, I, I I love that call. I do. I like that a lot. I, I'm a big Christian Kirk fan. Even especially, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald might not be a Cardinal next yeah. year. He might he might retire. And if he retires, it's Christian Kirk and a bunch of second year receivers that are they're trying to figure out. Probably Andy Isabella as yep. the second guy behind him. So get him while you can. All right. Uh, last quick question here before we hop into the news. Um, and this is a more of a just kind of an NFL question than a fantasy question here, but who's going to start next year at the as quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? If I had to guess, I would. I don't think it's Tua with all the recent injuries going on. Even though apparently, from hearing the news today and yesterday, apparently we it was like best case scenario. So I'm thrilled about that. I still don't think he goes whatever overall after Joe Burrow anywhere between two and five wherever the Dolphins may land if I had to guess right now I would say it's Justin Herbert Oregon quarterback just because I think the Dolphins are going to draft the quarterback with their first round pick let's say their eyes were on Tua before the injury Mm -hmm. this is just kind of how the NFL draft works it's a next man up kind of thing okay you move Tua down who who did we have at quarterback three Burrow's probably going to be gone now that they're likely avoiding Tua, which, again, I'm not sure. We may hear great news throughout the offseason, and it could be Tua. But if I had to guess right now, I'd say that next quarterback that makes the leap up to quarterback two with Tua now moving down is Justin Herbert. And do you think the Dolphins draft him at wherever they end up, three, four? I think they'd have to. I do. Yeah, I, I do. I think I think that Herbert's going to be one of the biggest risers this offseason in terms of NFL draft circles. Just just because that's how it works. I mean, yeah, he's, they value he's, quarterbacks he's, so much. Yep. He's 6'5", 6'6", has a cannon arm, athletic. I mean, he, he literally he fits the Josh Allen mold. No one, Everyone thought he was going to be, you know, second-round pick, third-round pick. The guy goes top 10. I mean, I feel like it's going to be a very similar situation here with Herbert. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of talk recently uh, about them maybe going after a Chase Young or someone like that. And first of all, I don't think they'll have a high enough pick to get Chase Young. But – um, I just I just think they came into this year knowing, hey, we're, we're like we're gonna draft a quarterback. Yeah. Like we need one. This yeah. is this is our plan. So I I assume they'll come out with a with a quarterback after that third or fourth pick. Um, yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement. But let's move on. Let's get into our news uh, before we go individual player injury news. Um, remember that Arizona, Kansas City. 
Uh, the Chargers and Minnesota are all on bye this week. Um, so tons last, of fantasy last set players. Of last set of bye weeks. Um, but tons of fantasy talent, fun, tons of uh, startable players that are out this week. So make sure that you've got some replacements in your lineups. Um, first bit of news. So the Patriots reportedly kicked the tires on re-signing Antonio Brown this week. Um, and they've come out and said that they are not. They they have moved on. They are not signing him. But what? How do you, the two of y'all feel about that? I don't know. I I I don't really care that much. I guess <laughs> about this news. I feel like it doesn't change. It, I mean, obviously, it doesn't change anything. All it says is all it tells us is what we already knew. The Patriots' offense is not broken, but it's hurting and, right yeah. now, and they they need to find some help. So. Kyle, yeah, it's, it's it's hurting pretty bad, but once I originally heard the news that the Patriots are kind of kicking the tires on Antonio Brown again, I was a little bummed because I am a huge, huge, huge Nikhil Harry truther. So once you know Antonio Brown left town, Josh Gordon left town, um, Mohamed Sanu has been kind of hobbled with an injury, Philip Dorsett's been hurt, I was like, okay, like this is it this is what us truthers wait patiently in the shadows for this is this is going to be the you know game where Nikhil Harry puts up five catches for 75 yards something like that once I heard that AB was kind of in talks with the Patriots I was a little little bummed first off because the guy just kind of drives me nuts and (laughs) yeah and second off just because I really want to see Harry get a shot so I'm pretty happy to hear that Harry could possibly run as the wide receiver two behind Edelman, so that is that's something I'll be watching very, very closely, and probably one of the biggest storylines for me heading into Week Twelve. Right. For sure, yeah, uh, especially playing the Cowboys, so that'll be a good game. Um, see how he performs. Um, now we'll get into some injury stuff. Uh, so the Steelers' big names, both Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, have both been ruled out. Um, some big names for the Falcons, Austin Hooper, Devonta Freeman, both out. Um, and then 49ers, their top three uh, receiving options, George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, and Curtis Samuel. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, sorry, are all questionable. So any reaction from either of y'all there? I am still iffy on Kittle playing, to be honest with you. I'm not totally sure he'll play. I, I if I had to if I had to put my money down right now I'd say all three of them are playing but Kittle's the one I'm a little more worried about. I saw a video of him uh, making cuts and making catches at practice. I think he's gonna play. Um, I, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a, it's a big game this week, so I assume all three of them will play. Uh, any other <clears throat> reaction to the other injuries? Well, one one guy I'm looking at pretty closely is Debo Samuel, and. He's been fantastic as of late with Kittle out of the lineup and Emmanuel Sanders kind of banged up. I love him for the rest of the season, mostly heading into 2020, but this injury really concerns me because he had lots and lots and lots of injury troubles in college. Yes. So my main, hope, my main hope for him was, okay, I don't even really care if he produces at a high level, which he has been lately, but... Stay just stay healthy. Stay healthy, yeah. exactly. And he hasn't, and that really worries me. That's one one thing that I find that 
it's not too difficult to take out, take advantage of in Dynasty is a lot of people aren't aware of basically tracks of college injury of injuries in college for players because a lot of people don't really follow a ton of players in college. So once they get to the NFL, it's kind of a clean slate for a lot of people. But if you're studying this this college film, you notice, oh my gosh, Debo's only played you know a max of this amount of games per year. So this is that's kind of why I'm a little worried about Debo. I've been loving the production lately, but the injuries scare me more than basically anything else. Yeah, and Sam knows this, but I've been a Debo truther for since the off season. I mean, since watching college tape, but really just in draft season, I was trying to grab him late in any draft. Um, so yeah, that definitely is a concern, uh, especially considering how well he's played the last few weeks. Uh, we'll get into individual injuries. Uh, Tom Brady was listed as questionable. I mean, he's going to play. I... Yeah, he'll play. He'll it's play. a it's a throwing shoulder injury, I believe. It's an elbow. He's elbow. got a right elbow. His right elbow is hurt. But I think this is just. They put him as questionable because he has an injury. I think he'll he'll play. Mm-hmm. Especially um, against Dallas. Yeah, but like you said, Mohamed Sanu, he's out. So that injury that you mentioned, he's out. So Nikhil Harry will get a bunch of work this week. Um, AJ Green listed as out again. I, Sam and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but we really don't think that he plays this year at all. No, I don't think he does either. Um, which is sad, but I very sad. Especially as someone who owns a lot of AJ Green, uh-huh. held on to him for so long, but you know, pro- probably for the best for him and for the Bengals. Um, but you know that that guy really wants to play. Uh, Brandon Cooks. So after the those few scary concussions um, earlier this season, he's cleared the protocol. He's going to play this week. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I've I said it. We've talked about him, this problem before. Brandon Cooks. I'm just really worried about him because these concussions it's not start catching that goes up. Away. No, it's it, if you have a ton of concussions. I mean, we've seen people have to end their career early for this yeah. for this kind of stuff. So I'm just it's something to look out for. And you know, he's had a couple this year. So yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, even even before he went down with the concussions, his production was already kind of struggling. So, this is a if I had Brandon Cooks on my team, this is very much a wait and see, not plugging him into my lineup unless I'm that desperate with bye weeks. Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially, I mean, besides Cooper Cup, and even he's struggled in the last few weeks. The Rams' offense has not produced um, this year, especially considering how incredible they were last year. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Cooper Cup had that blazing hot start to the year. Ever since then, last three or four weeks, he's cooled off a good bit. Jared Goff is just man, not a great quarterback. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear how the Rams feel about how much they signed Todd Gurley and Jared, Jared Goff for yeah. and what their contracts are feeling like right now. Yeah especially with all these young players that they're going to have to start paying. Um, I bet they're regretting shelling out well over $150 million combined for the two of them. Um, Marlon Mack, so last week he went down with a fractured wrist, um, and we'll get into the Houston-Indianapolis game that happened last night. 
uh, in a little bit, but um, Naeem Hines, Jonathan Williams, and Jordan Wilkins kind of have stepped into a committee type of thing. I mean, Jonathan Williams looked great. Really good. He looked good. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, as far as Marlon Mack goes, we'll see how long it keeps him out. I mean, it's got to be four weeks, at least a month. Yeah, especially it's his it's his ball dominant hand. So it's it's the hand that he carries the ball in uh, the majority of the time. So we'll see how even when he comes back, how it affects him. Right. Yeah, I've seen I've seen reports saying that he's going to be out for the rest of the season, that he's going to be out for a month, and that he's going to be back next week. So this is this is another just kind of wait and see if I have Jonathan Williams and I need a running back. Two, three flex. He's. I feel pretty comfortable dropping him in there. Right, hundred um, percent. Eagles running back situation. So uh, Jordan Howard still has not been cleared for practice. They signed Jay Ajayi, their former running back, who's been uh, on a free agent all year. They signed him back to the team, um, and he is projected to have a prominent role. Yeah, I mean, he just. I mean, he. He's been a free agent, but for the majority of the season, he's been coming back off of injury. He got cleared to play like three weeks ago, I think, or four weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so he's just now back off of injury, and even before the injury with the Eagles, when he played, he wasn't that great. I just I, and plus Miles Sanders is there. I, I think Miles Sanders is going to get a lot of run this week. I think Jai is going to have to step in and carry the ball, but. Um, especially in this game that should be decently high scoring versus the Seahawks. I think Miles Sanders is going to have to get a lot of run. Yeah, I agree. I think the only way that J.H.I. really makes himself fantasy relevant at all is if he just hops in that Jordan Howard role and kind of vultures touchdowns from Miles Sanders. (laughs) Because I didn't think Ajayi was really, you know, a great or even a good NFL running back a year or two ago. So, I really don't think he is now. Coming Sanders injury, hasn't been yeah. exactly. I mean, Sanders hasn't been exceptional this year, but he's been better than Ajayi was towards you know his last Eagles tenure. So yeah, he's. If you really need to start Ajayi in your lineup, you better hope he gets three carries from the one yard line. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, I completely agree. Next, uh, some tight end news. Uh, David Njoku. So he's been injured. What was the? It was a concussion, and then a. Oh. Was it a hand? Was it a hand? It was a hand or arm. Okay. Um. But he. So he's been on IR, but I believe. But he uh, is still out. But he. The team has brought him back, reactivated him, and he'll be back playing soon. But he's not playing this this week. week. No. Yeah. Which would have been really nice against the Dolphins. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then Evan Ingram is still out. Another one of those guys that's so talented but cannot stay healthy. I mean, he has dealt with so many different injuries, um, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the Giants are not making a push this year. If they decide that they're waiting till next year, he could be shut down for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's why I'm – Terrified, based on what you just said, I'm terrified as a Saquon Barkley owner in, yeah. in some of my main leagues oh. because 
I start thinking about Evan Ingram, and I think, okay, they could, you know, the Giants are obviously not going anywhere this year, and he's injured. Maybe they could shut him down for the rest of the season. And then I start thinking, I'm like, oh, Uh-oh. oh, no, please, please, no, please, <laughs> not Saquon, please. Yeah. So, yeah, I just don't know. Scary stuff. With Saquon, I feel a little more comfortable because, I mean, he did come out and say that, like, there's no way he's letting people sit him, but, like, it's not really up to him. Not at all. So um, I think Pat Shermer would love to be able to make that decision, but I think good old Dave Gettleman, the uh, Giants general manager, could push to keep his stars in the game. That being said, I think if Saquon is playing and he's you know he's healthy, he could he'll be he should be phenomenal during the playoffs. He's yeah, got a very, very easy good schedule. Oh. matchups. So oh, you, match! Oh, schedule's incredible. Um, well, that's it for our injury news, um, and that closes out our regular news segment. Also, um, so we're gonna hop into our Week Twelve game breakdowns. And we're going to start with the uh, Texans versus Colts game that happened last night on Thursday Night Football. Texans won 20-17. I'm a Texans fan, so it made me happy. Gave us a better shot at winning the AFC South. But I was not... I mean, on the Colts side, uh, Jonathan Williams had himself a day. On the Texans side... DeAndre Hopkins uh, finally had a big game. <laughs> huge game. Will Fuller came, stepped back into the lineup with a huge game. But I wasn't super impressed by either team's play last night. I was looking, and I a lot of people, a lot of people were talking about how Deshaun Watson, whenever he has a really bad game, he almost always comes back the next week and is great. And I didn't think he was great last night i thought i thought he was good he was yeah he he played well he he played well i mean he won us the game but i agree yeah and just i know it's it's such a rare occurrence and i know it's probably frustrating as a texans fan but a healthy or semi-healthy will fuller is so huge for deshaun watson it's so huge. huge yeah it has been very uh infrequent that we see that but um yeah i I was just very surprised by the Colts' game plan last night because the Texans are a pretty good run defense. It didn't look that way last night. And they have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. I mean, teams have torn through the Texans using the passing game, and the Colts did not use that at all last night. I think some of it was they were bringing back T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. Hilton only got six they threw six balls to him, but I maybe he maybe they were easing him back in a little bit. J- Jacoby Brissett's still getting his legs back under him from the injury. I think they were, and plus the Colts are like a running team for, for sure. sure. So I to like I think g- you game plan for the teams you're playing against, but if your identity as a team is running the ball, to a certain extent you st- you stick with that. Yeah, especially with this offensive line that the Colts have, you trust that. Oh yeah, and you, I mean you could you could toss. I don't know. I could toss my physics professor back there behind the Colts offensive line, and he'd average three yards per carry. I mean, <laughs> right. Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson's an an absolute animal, best guard in the entire league. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the best players. A, period. Oh yeah, yeah. hands down. Um, speaking of the running game, uh, Sam had a quick question for you that I said we should move into this segment. Um, oh you yeah. Ask it. 
So it's just about Jonathan Williams. What kind of confidence you have for him bef- until Matt comes back? Do you view him as an RB two, an RB three, or is it based more on matchups? Or, or what do you what are you thinking moving forward? Well, up until Matt comes back, I think that he's someone that I'd feel relatively comfortable plugging in as a mid to low end RB two, and it's not really matchup based because he's not someone that's probably going to be getting. 10 to 12 touches per game. I mean, he had 26 carries and three targets last night. He was getting red zone touches. He, I mean, he was all over the place. So purely, purely due to usage, basically no matter who they're facing, if I am confident that Jonathan Williams is going to get over 20 opportunities in a given game, that alone, no matter basically what running back you are, behind that 20 touches, behind that offensive line, I think definitely garners mid-range RB2 status. Absolutely. We've said it a lot over the season. It's opportunity over talent Yeah, in this game. Um, and that's mm-hmm. about as good an opportunity as you can get. Colts running back, oh, yeah. getting 20-plus touches a game, yep. 100%. Um, we'll go ahead and move into our next games now. Um, we're going to be talking about what we feel are the top five uh, most exciting games looking into Week 12. Um, and those are the Eagles versus the Seahawks, the 49ers versus the Packers, the Saints versus the Panthers, uh, Patriots versus Cowboys, and Rams versus Ravens. So we'll start. Uh, the New Orleans versus Carolina game is uh, one of the 12 o'clock games. So why don't we start there? Yeah, I'm uh, obviously, I mean, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas should have a field day this game i mean especially kamara the panthers can't stop anybody except for last or except, <laughs> last week, except for hill. last week brian hill yeah uh and even him he should have had a, he should have had a touchdown he was brought back um so that was a little uh it made him look a little bit worse but alvin kamara should have over 20 points same with michael thomas he's about they're both just about matchup proof yeah but this is a pretty nice matchup um and then on the other side of the ball christian mccaffrey He's a world beater. Um, last week again, their team scored three points. They got, sh- they almost got sh- shut out. Basically, uh, he they, was the number they looked one awful. Running back. He was the number one running back on the yeah. week. So, well, Kyle, you're just about the biggest DJ Moore fan on the planet, judging from your Twitter. Do you have a uh, anything? How do you think this game goes for him? Uh, so I think. Oh man. See, if you weren't, I was just about to hop right into the DJ Moore, so thank you for giving me that nice <laughs> intro. Um, DJ Moore, even, I'm not really sure what the status is right now of um, Lattimore's injury, but I know that DJ Moore operates for the most part out of the slot, so I feel like he wouldn't necessarily face that corner one, cornerback one coverage anyway. I mean, just looking at this guy, just if you don't mind, if I just go on, if I just blow <laughs> no, about my guy no. for a second. You, you go off Take on your tangent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's 22 years old, first-round draft capital in the NFL. He's on pace with, with Kyle Allen at quarterback yeah. and Christian McCaffrey taking 30 touches a game. DJ Moore is on pace for 100 receptions, over 1,250 yards. Unfortunately, in touchdowns, he only is on pace for two touchdowns. That is because he hasn't really established himself as a red zone presence and because they have Christian McCaffrey. But 100 receptions and 1,250 yards oh. is the quiet, the quietest 100 receptions yeah. season of all time. Yeah. He's had 
Oh, I mean, he's had seven or more receptions and 95 or more yards in each of the past three games, which is, I mean, wide receiver one status. He's just, he's fantastic. He is, I'm so glad I put my money where my mouth is and basically bought him up everywhere humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. And in full PPR leagues, he's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the nicest thing about him is he doesn't need those touchdowns to produce. No, and, but exactly. if they come... I mean, he's automatically a top 10 receiver in fantasy. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no. I think that the Saints, going back to the game as a whole, I think that the Saints blow out the Panthers, especially with how poorly Kyle Allen has played the last few weeks. Um, and I do believe that Marshawn Lattimore is coming back this week. But I think that that doesn't matter. From a fantasy perspective, I don't think that that matters for – uh, the big names of Christian McCaffrey and uh, DJ Moore. Um, Curtis Samuel is going to need a touchdown, and especially if he's facing up against uh, Marshawn Lattimore, I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen this week. Yeah, I probably wouldn't play Curtis yeah, Samuel this I week. Agree. I agree. Um, but everyone else, I mean, uh, Sam mentioned Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. I'd play Jared Cook in this game. Um, yeah, I'd play Greg Olson in this game. I think that this will be... I mean, it's a NFC South uh, divisional game. So they, uh, these teams, any of those games are closer than people think. I do think the Saints win this game, but it should be pretty good for fantasy. Oh, yeah. Uh, our next game, let's talk about the Eagles versus the Seahawks. This is an interesting one. Uh I mean, Russell Wilson should feast on that secondary. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, I'm interested to see how Carson Wentz performs against the Seahawks. Me Their as secondary well. is not that great. It's, you know, it's all right. Uh, but the Seahawks defense has, not, has really not been their, you know, their specialty this, this year. I will say, Jadavion Clowney has looked like an absolute monster recently, so that could be a problem um, for Carson Wentz, but... If you're if you're a Carson Wentz owner, I think you're getting a little scared and a little nervous going into the playoffs, um, and this will be a big test for him. This will be interesting to see, especially with how dilapidated their wide receiver core is right now. There's a lot yeah. of injuries on that offense. It'll be tough. Oh yeah, it's. Oh yeah, no, it's the state of that receiving core is not good. I mean, Nelson Aguilar has been terrible, and he's hurt heading into the week. Alshon Jeffrey questionable heading into the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. It's basically been throughout the entire year, if we're talking about basically healthy, somewhat consistent assets for Carson Wentz, it's been the two tight ends, and and their best deep threat, their best downfield threat has been their running back, yep. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. So yep. I expect him to, again, as usual, probably carve out a huge role in the passing game. And this, in this game, who, which I think will be pretty high scoring. Yeah, I, agree. I, I agree with that. Um, as like Sam mentioned, as a Carson Wentz owner, it's been really sad the last four or five weeks. Um, this is my test, and he's got pretty decent matchups for the playoffs, uh, fantasy playoffs. That is, um, so this this really is my test to see if I can justify holding on to him anymore. But um, regardless, I think that this is a good game. You got to play your 
Tyler Lockett, your DK Metcalf. I think Fire even DK Metcalf, even uh, Josh Gordon should have a good week. I, I I feel pretty comfortable almost guaranteeing a touchdown to DK Metcalf in this game. Um, Chris Carson's been playing. He's another one of those guys that's been quietly having a great season. Oh yeah. Um, besides those fumbles, of course. Do you feel comfortable playing Alshon Jeffrey? I don't know that Alshon Jeffrey plays this week. If he's if he's if he's active and he's out there, do you feel comfortable putting him in your starting roster? Uh, I think it depends on the situation. I'm I would not look that way. I don't think, but Carson Wentz needs to throw the ball to somebody. Yeah, I guess. Um, but like you said, Kyle, I think this is a pretty good high scoring game. Um, so you play pretty much every asset that we just mentioned mm-hmm. our next game is the Patriots versus the Cowboys um, and this will be an interesting one I'm excited for this one partly as a Cowboys fan but it should be it should be really interesting the Patriots have looked much more beatable the last couple of weeks obviously much with the loss beatable. to Baltimore obviously but in, in general they've, they've looked uh, a little weaker um and I think part of that has to do with I, there's a lot out there that says uh, it's a lot easier to re- rely on a great offense to stay great throughout the season than it is for a great defense to stay great throughout the season. Um, and I think you're I think you're seeing a little bit of that. Uh, I think Dallas will be able to put up some points on this defense. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the Pats' offense looks like this this uh, during this game. And Dallas's defense is be- is certainly beatable. Um, they're pretty middle of the pack, um, but that offensive line for New England has not looked great. Shaq Mason has been a disappointment. It's just you know they can't they can't really run the ball anymore. Um, it's it's not really getting them anywhere. So we'll see how Tom Brady does. Yeah, I have. I have two two pretty big storylines that I'm kind of keeping an eye on heading into this week. Um, first off, like we were talking about earlier, we have a very, very depleted wide receiver core in New England that's already probably lacking some talent in the first place. But with Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett, I believe, as you said earlier, Sanu's already been ruled out. I'm sure Dorsett will be out. I'm not sure what his official I think designation it's is. It's going towards out. He, I think I don't think he's okay. been des- designated as out yet, but it's pretty pretty certain. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm keeping a real, really close eye on Nikhil Harry as the potential wide receiver two there in New England. As I was talking about, and like you just mentioned, beatable doubt, beatable defense in Dallas. So I'm keeping an eye on Nikhil Harry not to have this blow up game, but. I want to see him have this, you know, five reception, 60-plus, 70-plus yard game. That's really what I'm looking out for. And second off, we have Amari Cooper, who's established himself as one of the best receivers in the league this year. But he's he's coming in gimpy. Mm-hmm. They say he's good to go, but he's coming in a little gimpy, facing up against Stephon Gilmore. Probably, yeah. probably the best cornerback in the league in Stephon Gilmore. So what I'm really keeping an eye on here is, okay, Dallas is playing this incredibly tough defense amari cooper is going to have his work cut out for him up against their number one corner how is michael gallup going to react to this i mean he'll he's playing up against this tough secondary but amari cooper could likely have a quiet game just due to all the things i mentioned so gallup's a guy i'm really looking forward 
too. He's a guy I'm really looking to to step up and have a big week. Even though it's against you know the best secondary in the league, I feel like if you dig a little deeper into it, the opportunity is there for him to have a good week based on kind of what's going on. Absolutely. I, I think the Cowboys are going to have to look get really a little creative with it to get the ball moving against this yeah. defense. I mean, Zeke's going to have a really tough time against the uh, against the against this rush defense, too. So yeah. it'll it'll be interesting to see what they figure out. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move into our next game, which is the 49ers versus the Packers. Um, I'm kind of excited. So Green Bay, for the first few weeks of the season, was everyone was like, oh, my goodness, this is one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is playing the way he should be, this uh, team that looks unbeatable, uh, that's kind of calmed down recently. Um, 49ers, um, especially after that loss to Seattle, um, look a little bit more beatable. Um, but I think this should be a really, really good game that kind of determines uh, playoff positioning in the NFC. I been really back and forth with the 49ers all season they're obviously like very good they're great and their defense has been stellar but i just they don't they don't feel like uh like a like a super bowl team they don't feel like they're they're gonna go and win the super bowl to me i just i don't know i don't I mean, Garoppolo has looked a little better in the past couple weeks, but that was against the Cardinals, really. And I don't put a lot of faith into that. And I still have a lot of questions about him. Um, I st- I don't think I'd play him in this game, for sure. Especially with all uh, basically every passing option coming in questionable. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Garoppolo, Kyle? Uh, I mean, he has some games that look so terrible if you're watching the game but he ends up stuffing the stat sheet at the end due to pure volume but he's he's had some really ugly games and some really ugly throws and in all honesty he should probably have six or seven more interceptions on the year than he does right now because it seems like a lot of his picks maybe this was just recency bias in the past week or two but I mean, against Seattle on that final drive, I'm pretty sure he had two dropped interceptions in three consecutive throws. Yep. So he's th- this is what I'm kind of thinking about the 49ers as a whole. I think the reason I'm kind of bullish on them as a Super Bowl candidate is because if they jump out to an early lead or are playing in even a close game where they're trailing by one score, I think the defense can do enough to you know, hold the other team to minimal offense and Jimmy Garoppolo can do what he can to manage the game and, you know, pull out a win. But if this team is going up against, I don't even, we'll say the Ravens in the Super Bowl, and let's say that the Niners defense is struggling, Lamar Jackson is rolling, and the Ravens jump out to a 17-point lead in the third quarter. I do not think, I just don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback that can come back. Yes, I, I think he can manage a game. I don't think he can lead a comeback. He yeah. strikes me as a bit of a better. Uh, he's, it's a Blake Bortles esque situation, but he's bl- better than Blake Bortles. Yeah, I, I sure. would. Yeah, I get that. I would compare him to another former 49ers quarterback in Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith is a that. great game manager, 
Um, but like you said, with the 17-point lead, it could never make that kind of comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jimmy G is very similar to that. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, you're going to play everyone in this game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been really disappointing lately. This is a great 49ers defense, but you got to – I mean, he's he's one of those guys that you're trusting he can have a QB one week. Um, one guy – put a caution around is Aaron Jones. I mean, he's had a lot. He's Aaron Jones has made his bread and butter off of touchdowns. just crazy amounts of touchdowns, more than he should oh, yeah. be scoring probably. And I think that comes to a halt. Uh, he, I mean, he's still going to be a great asset for the rest of the season, but he's going to be a, he's going to have a really tough time this week. And I, I, you know, I'd be, I'd be pretty, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a touchdown, but I would not be surprised at all if he ended up with, with a, Pretty poor game. Yeah, I'm willing to flex him just because he's one of those big names who could always. I mean, he's so talented. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. But you're playing Devonte Adams. Um, on the flip side, you're playing Tevin Coleman. Matt Breda is questionable, probably unlikely to play. Um, so you're going to play Tevin Coleman. Uh, any of those guys we mentioned that were questionable earlier, Kittle, Sanders. Samuel, um, if if they're healthy, you're going to play them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, I mean, uh, Brita was actually just, I want to say in the past 30 minutes or so, he was actually downgraded from questionable to doubtful. Okay. The Packer, Packers' bottom five run defense, it could, it could, it might just be Tevin Coleman week. Yeah, it, yeah. Might just it, be. it's going to be the Tevin Coleman show. Um, but like we said, I think that all five of these games that we're bringing up are going to be pretty competitive, good games. Um, and in those types of games, especially with high powered offenses, such as the Packers and then even the 49ers from the run side of the ball, um, you want to play all of those assets. Yeah. Um, our last game is the Rams versus the Ravens on Monday night. Um, and if you had, had, at the beginning of the year, you say, "All right, this is one of the league's best defenses versus one of the le- versus the league's best offense." You're thinking it's the Ravens are the one of the league's best defenses, and the Rams are the the league's best uh, yeah. offense, and it's completely the other way around. Some huge identity shifts this season in these teams for sure. Uh, I think this will be pretty one sided. I the Rams have looked so bizarre on offense lately. And listen, the Rams receivers are great. Cooper Cup is super talented. Robert Woods is great. Brandon Cooks is great. But this secondary in Baltimore, ever since they uh, traded for... Um, Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters. They've been Lights incredible. Out. Lights out. I mean, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey... This whole, is also the Marcus Peters revenge yeah, game. Yeah, Marcus Peters revenge game. Always, <laughs> always down for a revenge game. Um, I just, I think it'll be really tough for the Rams to move the ball in this game. And I, and I mean, we've seen it all season. What defense can figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson? None. Um, none of that. None of that. Yeah. When but he, when he's the nice thing there, is, um, with most teams, you say, oh, if this is going to be one sided, watch out because if it turns into a ten to fifteen, you know, ten to seventeen point game, um, that other offense is going to stop is just going to slow the game down. The Ravens have been willing to run the score up in every game. So yeah. you don't need to yeah. be worried about um your Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, 
Mark Andrews, even uh, who's their rookie receiver, Hollywood Brown. Um, you don't need to be worried about any of those players that, you know, the the Ravens are up, they're going to stop scoring because that's going to continue all game. I would worry a little bit about Hollywood Brown just because if he sees a lot, if he sees uh, quite Jalen a bit Ramsey. of Jalen Ramsey, that's tough. But he's so quick. All he needs is one play, and he could have a break-off touchdown. So. Yeah. Oh. Um. Kyle, do you have any other things to say about this game? Yeah, well, gosh, I mean, besides just the drop-off of a cliff of the Rams offense, and, I mean, I would normally say, yeah, you're starting Todd Gurley, you're starting Cooper Cup, but you might not be. I mean, Gurley's been solid this year, but nothing spectacular. He's had games where I think he had seven t- 17 touches last week, and he's had games where he's had single-digit touches, so... Really, I'm not sure what to do with him. And Cooper Cups was, I want to say, the wide receiver, two through the first eight, nine, maybe ten weeks of the season. He's just kind of fallen off a cliff, too, just because Jared Goff's game has been so terrible. So I'm still starting Cup. I'm still probably starting Gurley, but I'm not starting anyone else, anyone else with confidence. And on the other side of the football, you're probably starting Mark Ingram just because the volume's there, the red zone opportunities are there because the Ravens are scoring so much, and Lamar Jackson is MVP. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, but that about wraps up our game breakdowns for mm-hmm. Week 12. Um, sorry we couldn't get to every game like we did last week, but we figured going more in-depth about each game would be uh, more beneficial, um, at least more interesting. More to, interesting, to to. and especially with you on the show this week, Kyle. We we thought that'd be uh, with the conversation between three people. We thought that choosing the six top games would be a lot more efficient. Yeah. Um, but before we close it out, we've got some more quick questions. Uh, Sam, you want to start us off this this time? Yeah, I will. Um, so who is the is one of the under under the radar players that you think will show up most on championship uh, fantasy teams this year? So no Christian McCaffrey's or Dalvin Cooks or Lamar Jackson's. We were we were kind of touching on his name a little earlier, and this isn't this guy has been extremely solid this year, but I think he could go from ex- extremely solid to league winner, and that's Chris Carson. Let's say, you know, let's say you have a real solid, real solid fantasy team. And let's say, you know, your playoffs are weeks 14, 15 and 16. And maybe you have a buy in week 14 because your team is that fantastic. And you're kind of looking for one more piece that can really shore up this roster. Chris Carson has a bit of a tougher matchup in week 14. So he's I'm not really targeting him for that time of the year. But weeks 15 and 16, the semifinals and the finals. Week 15, he's going up against Carolina Panthers, fourth worst run defense in the league. Yep. So you know he's going to get some crazy volume in that game because you know Seattle's going to jump out ahead. So that could be a huge game for Carson. Just when you think you think it cannot get any better, week 16, your championship week, Arizona Cardinals. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I mean, the, another bottom team, another bottom of the barrel defense when it comes to running backs. And, I mean, 
you know Seattle's, again, jumping up out, probably out to an early lead in this game. You could easily see him up maybe 10, 14 in late second, early third quarter. Chris Carson's going to get 20-plus carries in this game. Chris Carson has gotten 15-plus carries in every single game of the season. He provides one of the best floors in all of fantasy football. Besides the fact that he's had fumbling issues, they are still giving him 15 or more carries every single game. So he's... He's the guy that, you know, maybe if you're really try, if you have a stud roster and you're really trying to shore up a flex spot, he is absolutely the guy to go after. Love it. One guy I'll mention um, as a <clears throat> as kind of a he might still honestly still be on uh, waivers out there is Devonte Parker. Yeah, we've talked I mean, about him a bunch. He's he's been playing great. He's been putting up great numbers with Fitzpatrick uh, under center, and he's got some very easy games. All of the playoffs. I think they play the Giants one week. I think they play the Redskins another week, and then they—I can't remember who they play the championship week. But it's a—it's one of the easiest schedules in the league. And as long as Fitzpatrick is throwing the ball, I think Devontae Parker is could be a fine flex in a pinch uh, on these teams. Um, yeah, I was going to say that's the catch twenty-two. Is if Rosen becomes the quarterback, there is. Which I don't think will happen. No. I think Fitzpatrick yeah. will be the quarterback for the rest of the season, but you never know. <clears throat> um, I'll move on to my question, and I'm going to do my two in a row just because I like Sam's last question the best to close out the episode. Um, and this is not targeting. Uh, I, I want to mention that because you're a Jets fan, but who is the most infuriating coach in the NFL from a fantasy standpoint? Um, and you don't have to say Adam Gase, but he's up there. Uh, well, if it's from a real-life NFL perspective, it's Adam Gase. And there's, there's no even comparing it, because even if I weren't a Jets fan, I would probably say Adam Gase. But, I mean, it's, it's just been the absolute worst. <laughs> but if I, had to, hmm, if I had to pick a coach that's the most infuriating I almost don't want to say Matt LaFleur because that Green Bay Packers offense has been so solid. But if I'm an Aaron Jones owner and I'm pretty he's top three running back on the year, absolute stud. If you have him, you're starting him. But I don't trust that coaching staff to not say this is going to be a Jamal Williams game. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, which and is – just it's terrifying. Yep. Terrifying. And again, Jones has been fantastic all year. So many red zone touches, probably multiple three or more touchdown games. I think there was a four touchdown game in there, but I can't even really be upset with LaFleur if I'm a Jones owner because again, Jones has been so solid, but it frustrates me because it's always in the back of my mind because it seems like again, Jamal Williams is a solid player, but man, that guy gets a lot of run and Aaron Jones has had his, two three-point weeks and if that were to happen to you in weeks 15 or 16 or 14 and that knocks you out of the playoffs oh that'd be that's a that's, that's a killer brutal. yeah uh it's i own aaron jones in a couple leagues and it's definitely every single week it's like walking on eggshells you're just hoping, hoping you're yep. watching the tv like a hawk waiting to see jamal williams come out and catch a 10-yard touchdown <laughs> it's just ugh. uh my answer to this and this may be a hot take. I don't know because the Bears have been questionable this year. But it's Matt Nagy. Why won't that guy move on from Mitchell Trubisky? Allen Robinson is so good. 
even with a guy like Chase Daniel, I think he would have a much more consistent year this year. I, I'm not 100% sure Chase Daniel is that big an upgrade from Mitchell Trubisky. And I am also not... I don't think it's 100% Matt Nagy that no, Mitchell Trubisky yeah. is still there. That's fair. So... Yeah. Bad situation. Yeah. Bad I, situation. Yeah. They better move on. They better move I on. I sure hope so. And God, if Cam Newton's on the trade block, if I'm the Bears, I would be willing to give up so much for him if he's healthy. Um, next question, speaking of quarterbacks, um, the you know old class of quarterbacks, Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger, uh, Eli Manning. I made him put that one in there. He made me put Eli Manning in there. Do you think that they all play for the same teams next year? If I'm looking looking at Brady, Breeze, and Roethlisberger, I'm pretty pretty confident that all three of those guys will be starting for their respective team next year. I agree. Especially, Eli, I, I, especially oh, because Mason Rudolph has not performed. Oh, yeah. I mean, my my favorite my favorite joke from the whole Rudolph Miles Garrett brawl is that, you know, NFL officiating actually laid down their biggest punishment up against the Pittsburgh Steelers by actually not, not. suspending Mason Rudolph, <laughs> which is it's true. But it is true. just look looking at those quarterbacks, I'm not really sure about Eli Manning because with an, with this incoming quarterback crop, it's not wildly impressive. But I mean, there are at least two, probably three, when Tua comes back, day one starters. I'm just not sure if there's going to be any team that will throw any money towards Eli to be their starter. Yeah. So I, I would say he's probably going to be a giant, keep backing up, you know, teaching Daniel Jones because they love Eli over in New York. Yeah. Right. And looking at Phillip Rivers, I mean, every single Chargers game has been the same this year. It seems like it at least. And for, you know, like, his entire career. Oh, oh, it's, te- I mean, it's it's terrible. It's it's infuriating. As I'm a huge Keenan Allen fan. Oh, I have yeah. him yeah. everywhere, so it's infuriating for me. But, I mean, close game throughout, close game throughout. Oh, final drive, interception. Yeah. I mean, it, it's clockwork. So I would guess that Philip Rivers is still the starter for the Chargers next year, but I think that front office has to bring someone in. I think they do. I think I would not be surprised if they bring in maybe not a round one, but probably a round two quarterback mm-hmm. to you know learn under Philip Rivers. Even though he said in the past that he doesn't want to teach a quarterback, he he has to if he's going to keep playing this poorly. So that's kind of my prediction on that front. I agree. Um, you know, for Rivers' whole career, it's been the team around him that's kind of disappointed him. First, they didn't have a good defense. Then. His offensive line was so poor. Um, but this has been the first year where it's like, all right, Phil, it's it's kind of on you, man. I will say about Philip Rivers this year, especially the last couple of games, I mean, we've gone through it for years watching him throw interceptions. And, and I love Phil as a personality in this league. Um, it just it feels different. It feels different. The last two games he's thrown, what, seven interceptions? Yeah. It's I will say though, if the Chargers decide to move on, the market will be hot for Philip Rivers. Yeah, someone will sign. I think for sure. that people think that for the next two or three years, he's still a above average, if not top twelve starter. Um, you wanna? 
All right, last question of the of the pod. Who's this year's as of right now? Who is this year's MVP? And who is this year's Super Bowl champion? And I'll open it up a little bit. I'll say what's the what's the Super Bowl? What are the two teams in there, and who wins it? All right. Well, looking at NFL MVP, I think it has to be Lamar Jackson right now. But I think Russell Wilson is a lot closer to him than a lot of people are saying. Right. If Lamar Jackson kind of, you know, let's say down the stretch of the season, maybe defenses, even though it's really impossible to figure out because he's so incredible as a rusher, but if defenses just figure out his rushing ability a little bit and force him to throw the ball a little more, I could see him faltering. I don't see Russell Wilson faltering because I think he's that good. So right now I'd have to say Lamar Jackson. And if I had to pick a Super Bowl matchup right now, kind of sticking on this theme, I'm going to go with Baltimore in the AFC. And uh, in the NFC, I'm – I'm going to go with San Francisco because I think that defense is that good. I think that the defense will carry them through the playoffs. And I think if or when they get to the Super Bowl and they have to go up against the offensive and recently defensive firepower that is the Baltimore Ravens, I think they're going to fall behind and I don't see Jimmy G being able to keep up. I, I definitely see I, that. I like your answers. Um, Sam, do you want to? Yeah, uh, on the MVP race, I think um, I think there's a really good chance Russ could, Russ could take this back away in the last couple of games of the year. The Seahawks have a pretty tough schedule uh, for the rest of the season, and that could work in Russell's favor if he keeps on doing what he's doing yeah. against, uh, against defenses like that. Um, and then on the Super Bowl deal, uh, I think you have to pick the Ravens right now to I come out of the AFC. I, I If you ask... Basically, I mean, most anybody around the league right now, they're probably the pick as best team in the league right now. Uh, and from the NFC side, it's the NFC side is much more interesting because there's, I think, there's four or five teams that could come out of there. Uh, you it's, could make the case that it's yeah. six or seven. It's all. I mean, it really comes down to who's hot when and yeah. when they. Yeah, I think it'll it'll be really interesting. San Francisco sh- certainly could make it with that stellar defense. Um, I think there, there are a couple great offenses in in the NFC though that if they like we said earlier if they get out ahead of San Francisco a couple couple good breaks, it could be really tough for San Francisco to come back. So, so who's your team? Who's my NFC team? Oh man, it might be the Forty ers I. All right. Well, I guess I would have to say the 49ers right now. Uh, my answers are a little different. I, MVP, as impressive as Lamar's been, I think that it's going to be Russ just because oh. he is so efficient um, and he's been so good. And if, like Sam said, the Seahawks close out the year on hot against these really tough matchups, I think that it's going to have to be Russ. Um Super Bowl matchup, like y'all said, I think you have to pick Baltimore from the AFC. The Patriots have slowed down a little bit. The Chiefs need something on defense to be able to make it there. Um, But from the NFC, I'm going to pick New Orleans. I think uh, Drew Brees has come off this injury pretty hot. Um, This offense is getting better and better, not that it needed to. Um, And then Marshawn Lattimore is going to help this defense look even better uh, as the year ends. 
I like it. I like that call. I'm actually just going to change my NFC team to the Seahawks just for a little bit of parody. Really? And just because I would absolutely love it if Russell Wilson Russ just went Lamar. nuts yeah. the last couple uh, weeks and carried him to a, super, to a Super Bowl game. I don't think they'd win that game, um, but I think that would be awesome to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, any closing remarks, Kyle? Uh I don't know. That's pretty much it for me. Again, thank you guys so much for having me on. I mean, that was a blast. Haven't, like I said earlier, haven't been on a pod in a little bit, but I mean, this was a, a fantastic, fantastic little welcome back to the podcasting, you know, world. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at dynastyff underscore kyle m, and I haven't haven't really been as active in the writing community as I usually am. I usually put out a couple pieces every month, but school's been really crazy. So once it hits once it hits January, I will expect, you know, readers or followers on Twitter can expect those articles to start pumping out. Great. Yeah, well we really, really appreciate you being on this last hour or so has been a lot of fun. Um, we Put out these episodes every week uh our listeners know that uh so we'll see y'all next week but kyle it's been a blast um we really appreciate you, you doing this yeah it's been awesome thank you again really appreciate it